about to get even more busier yeah you ready for the two days of uh the last stretch yeah of football right besides all-star games right we have the last stretch of football how many teams do you have there still left i've got one and i have one so we're down to two but was it the team that you picked in your predictions that made yes it was not me <laughs> I was bamboozled. I was fooled. And I was made a fool. And I was reminded after the game. Uh, see, I see a couple weeks team. ago, I created the bulletin board material. Apparently last week, you were the one that created bulletin board material. I was. I was reminded of that in all the minutes to the celebration, all the players on the field. And right after I did my interview, I get... Uh, the fact thrown at me that I picked the wrong team and to never pick against the Warriors. Always pick the Warriors. So, uh, yeah, I went 0-1 in my pick this week, but still, got a team in the uh, state championship game, so that's great. Welcome to Sports 601 Podcast Season 1, Episode 15. I'm your host, James Pugh. I cover sports for sports601.com and the Law Impact for Jasper Jones Smith and Wayne County. And right across from me, my co host who covers sports for us for Sports 601 and the Hattiesburg Impact for Forrest Lamar and Covington County, Kevin Lindsay. Well, Kevin, I went undefeated, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if you would count that as an undefeated week, being that I only had two games, so it wasn't that hard to go undefeated. You couldn't get three losses. That's the good thing. That that's true, or two losses, which right. I had been on a kick there for a while of of getting two losses. But yeah, I went two and zero. Uh, my record now stands at eighty two wins and 30 losses. I'm at 73.21%. And you, Kevin, I'll let you... Uh... In my percentage? Yeah. My percentage, I'm at 72.88. I slipped below the 73% uh, percent mark for this week. Yeah. 0-1, huh? 0-1. No wins for the first time all year. No wins. But still, like I said... Uh, still proud of uh, of how it turned out. Yeah. Still, you know, there was really no loss in this one, to be honest with you, uh, with the Pedal Oak Grove game. So, but. Well, don't worry, because had I picked that game, which I, I kind of did, we, we did it on the podcast yeah, last week. Yeah, he mentioned week. you too. Yeah, yeah. You were mentioned. I was mentioned too. I, I you know, I was for sure Pedal was going to win that game, being that they've already played them one time this season and, and beat them pretty good. Yeah, you know, I, I figured that, uh, you know, it would be a little bit closer game, but I figured Pedal would take care of business, but that was not the case. And we uh, we were used as bulletin board material. And not only that, it wasn't just bulletin board material. I hear that uh, we were played on the loudspeaker. Yeah, we uh, apparently the podcast was played. Hopefully they'll play it this week because I have a lot brighter prediction for them. But hopefully they will play this across the, the speakers this week and let the team hear it. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was something else. As, as of right now, they haven't got the Russian stats in yet for pedal. But Oak Grove, can you believe it, held 
pedaled to 137 yards. Wow. Uh, like the Russian stats haven't been added yet, uh, but probably under 200 from from what I'm guessing is what they held them under. And uh, Oak Grove, uh, they had 397 total yards. So much different story from game one to game two. So good game. It just kind of shows you that uh, you know hot streaks uh, they can be big for you. It was. It was. Uh, they had been riding a wave, and I actually wrote about it on today. Uh, they've been riding an eight-game win streak and uh, averaging, I think it was somewhere around 40 points or something like that. Uh, you can check my article about on that. I literally just dropped it about an hour ago. But that and timely turnovers, the way pedal season came to an end uh, was a bad snap. Snap sailed over, over Nicholson's head. And they were driving down the field to try to tie the game up with three minutes to go, two or three minutes to go. And a bad snap uh, completely halted their season and ended their season, essentially, uh, for Pedal. But still, uh, and I just want to say, too, Pedal had a fantastic year. There's yeah. no nothing to hang their hats on, uh, off of that. They had a great year. Only loss other than, other than Friday night came to Laurel at Laurel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, otherwise, they, they played with the best of them. So, uh, hats off to Pedal and Coach Bulls and that staff there. So... Yeah, Grove got the win 35-28 to 28 over Rivals Pedal and will play in the 6-8 state championship uh, later this week. Uh, let's just go into my games. Uh, the one I was at Friday night, I was in Soso. And uh, Picayune won that South State matchup uh, 49-14 to 14 over West Jones. Early in that game, uh, just kind of thought this game was going to be a shootout. You had uh, Picayune score first. West Jones on their first possession answered, scored a touchdown. Uh, and at that point, we were like, my goodness, this is going to be a 50-50 to 50 game you know, in the in the fourth quarter and, and you know, uh, picking that they're just they're just good. Uh, so that's all I can say about them. And I knew that coming into the game, um, and I picked uh, picking to win that game. I thought it would be a little bit closer, um, <clears throat> just because of what we saw last year when these two teams met. South State, uh, you had uh, one of the best offenses go up against one of the best defenses, and that's kind of how it was positioned this year. Although West Jones didn't have those guys on the front line on defense that they had a year ago, but you felt like that they were still going to do a good job defensively. And, and at times in the games they did, they forced a couple of three and outs. They uh, held uh, Picayune without a score in, in several drives in the first and second half. But but just just explosiveness from Picayune was just was just unmatched in that game, and and they pulled out and, and got the big win. Uh, obviously, a great season going on there in Picayune with Dodley's last season here, and, and, and their players are, are playing hard for them. And that kind of showed Friday night. They pick up a win over West Jones. West Jones, this was their only loss of the year. And I talked to Pearson after the game, and he said, that's kind of that's kind of bitter tasting. You know, you win all the games in your season, but you lose that last one. And it's hard to swallow, and it is. You know, you have a really good season. I think it was their fifth season that they've had in school history where they went undefeated in the regular season, advanced to the South State playoffs, and just met a really good Picayune team, and their season came to an end. The other game that was going on Friday night, which we did have coverage of, we had Jasper County News helping us out. Uh, last Friday night, you had Taylorsville and Scott Central. This was a matchup much like the Oak Grove and Pedal matchup where these two teams had played earlier in the season. Uh, Taylorsville won that first game. Of course, it was game one of the season. They won pretty handily. They won 32-12 to 12, uh, in the first game of the season. And, that, and at that point, that was a rematch of last year's state championship game where Scott Central got the better of Taylorsville. But this time, Taylorsville was with Ty Keys and that first game of the season, they just rolled all, all over Scott Central. This time, though, 
it was much closer. Uh, Taylorsville edged out a win, fourteen to six, I believe. Scott Central was ahead six to nothing at halftime. Both of Taylorsville's touchdowns came in the second half, and believe it or not, they came on the ground. They did not come through the air, which is typically what Taylorsville does pretty well. But they were able to get the win, and they will be in their third straight appearance at the state championships for Class Two A. Uh, we'll talk about their opponent and all that will happen uh, this weekend. I, I do want to kind of go over the games that happened last Friday night across the state. In Class 6A North State, you had Oxford getting a win over Starkville in what's known as the Little Egg Bowl. Uh, they got some revenge over Starkville for the Egg Bowl. They, did. <laughs> uh, they beat Starkville 25-16. to This was another game that the Two teams that played earlier in the season, and Starkville ran away with that one. Right. Um, but wasn't able to get the win this time. And, of course, Oxford will face Oak Grove in the Class 6A uh, state championships. Uh, we've already mentioned the South State game, so we'll skip over that. In North State, you had North, you had West Point uh, defeating the Sober Central 20-7. to And, of course, we mentioned the South State game, Picayune 49, West Jones 14. In North State in 4A, you had Corinth defeating Greenwood 31-14. to In South State, you had Poplarville getting a win over Lawrence County 38-14. to In Class 3A in the North, you had Knoxby County uh, picking up a win over Choctaw County 33-14. And in South State, the shocker, I think, of – I think was more of a shocker than the Oak Grove and Petal game would have to be the Jeff Davis and Columbia game. Columbia was undefeated on the season, and everybody (laughs) thought that they would – go into the title game and, and, and even win 3A, but Jefferson Davis County took care of business and defeated Columbia 27-7. to So that was, a, I think that, like I said, was probably the shocker of the night. In 2A North, you had Northside, uh, remains undefeated on the season and will advance to the title game. They beat Charleston 14-6, to just like the score in the South State game, Taylorsville 14, Scott Central 6. And in the North 1A, you had Nanawaya defeating Noxipeta in a really close game, 21-20. to And then in the South State, you had Lumberton rolling all over Richton, 55-7, to which will set up the state championship games that will be played uh, Friday and Saturday at M.M. Roberts Stadium. Uh, there on the campus of Southern Miss. Uh, There's going to be a lot of good games. Uh, Kevin, I'm going to ask you this question. Uh, I've kind of already got my answer in my mind. What what matchup do you feel like in these six state championship games is going to be the most intriguing? Oh, this is actually tough because I was at summer all today, and that was that was kind of the talk of uh, uh, people were asking me about and. Honestly, I kind of lean towards that 2A game just because of Northside. They've only given up, what, five, six touchdowns on the uh, season? 35 points on the season. 34, excuse me. 34, 34 points. 34 points on the season going up against Taylorsville, who also – I know we talk about Tykees a lot, mm-hmm. but the defense is just smothering. So that's going to be uh, interesting to see uh, how that dynamic plays out. Uh, obviously, the 6A game, the more I, the more I uh, talk to people, and the more, especially Monday, at the press conference, um, man, Oxford has only given up less than eight points a game all year. Mm. And knowing how high-octane Oak Grove has been, how opportunistic they've been on defense, too, that would be a good clash. Uh, I'm always interested in Jefferson Davis County. Uh, I, I love Coach Mancuso. Uh, and uh, the interesting story, Monday, you were, you were there, you heard this, is he lost his top three starting quarterbacks, and they were down two and six overall in the year. Uh, so that just shows you just how good a coach he is and just how good of a program and how resilient that program is. But overall, I'm really interested in that 2A game Um, just to see how how it all goes. What about you? I would have to stick with that 5A game, West Point and Picayune. If there was a team, I think, to end West Point's reign of of state championships, that's what, four in a row? 
four in a row. They're going for their fifth. Uh, or is it no? They won three in a row. Yes, they're going. They're for going their for their fourth, and uh, that will be the uh, finale game of the state championships that will be played uh, Saturday night at seven p.m. West Point is fourteen and one on the season, and they will be playing Picayune, who is fourteen and zero on the year. Uh, just kind of mention the other games that we got going on, and then we'll we'll talk about the games that we'll be covering. Uh, going backwards from that last finale game at 3 o'clock, the Class 2A state championship, Northside, who is 14-0 on the season, will face Taylorsville, who is 14-1. Uh, Northside is a team you probably haven't heard of a lot because they're only in their second year as a program. They are a uh, consolidation school. I believe I, I did a little research and it was Broad Street High School and John F. Kennedy Memorial High School that, that came together and formed Northside High School there in that Bolivar School District, North Bolivar School District. Uh, so if you've never heard of Northside before, don't worry, they're, they're just in their second year as a uh, school. Uh, combining of those schools so uh, that'll be a a big game talk about that a little bit later then on uh, the first game on Saturday will be the class 4A state championship you got Corinth who's 13 and 1 on the season facing Poplarville who is 9 and 5 on Friday we'll start with a 7 p.m. game Uh, class 6A Oxford 13 and 1 on the season will face Oak Grove, who is 11-3 on the season. Uh, Kevin will talk about that game a little bit more here in a minute. At 3 p.m., the Class 1A state championship, you got Nanawaii, who's 13-1 on the season, facing Lumberton, who is 12-3 on the season. And to begin the state championships on Friday, at 11 a.m., you have Knoxby County, who is 10-5, versus Jeff Davis County, who is 9-6. Kevin, as I'm looking over this, I see a lot of teams here, uh, not a lot, but but quite a few, who have records like 10-5, 9-6, 9-5, who are playing for state championships. Uh, that just kind of tells you uh, about the hot streaks that these teams have, have kind of gone. And a lot of these teams play teams that were much bigger than them right. in the regular season, which if you talk to a lot of coaches, they'll say those games is kind of what prepares you for district play in the playoffs uh, when you when you get to those points is playing those big games. So uh, a lot of lopsided records here and then a lot of records that are kind of close. Um, but obviously – Every single one of these games is going to be interesting to watch. Uh, Kevin, just kind of break down that 6A game for us that will be played 7 o'clock on Friday night. Right. Yeah, the 6A game, uh, I'm super excited about this one. Like I said earlier, just the clash of styles. Talking to talking to Coach Causey uh, Monday, uh, he was excited for it. He, he was like, "I haven't been able to sleep all week just just thinking about it." Uh, Oak Grove, and this is what I wrote about today. They have been a team where they have had so many gut check moments. And it started in week one against Wayne County. They're up uh, by a score, and Wayne County has the momentum. They're trying to pull off the comeback, and he just goes to his offensive line and running back Nick Millsap and says, just finish the job. Let's finish the job. And what do they do? They go down the field, they score, they put Wayne County away. You go a couple of weeks later to Hattiesburg. Hattiesburg gives them all they can handle, and it's another situation where it's gut check time go and finish the drive and they do it and then they hit that uh, losing streak where they lose to Art Bishop Rummel, uh, George County and Pedal to go 0-2 in the district uh, lose to 21-7 to uh, at home to Pedal and Causey just kind of called his seniors, kind of called his leaders together and said, look, this is what we've got to do. Uh, basically can't lose anymore. <laughs> and, you know, this is, this is what I need you to do. So you have a gut check moment, not on the field, but in the locker room. And since then, they've had an eight-game winning streak, and they come in to pedal. Uh, close game throughout. Pedal throws the kitchen sink at them. In case you didn't know, they ran a, pay, a fake punt, uh, fake punt pass for like a 57, 58 yard touchdown. Normally it was stunning team, and Oak Road just plugs away, and they end up getting a pick six. 
and uh, they have another drive where they just march down the field and they finish pedal off. And uh, it's just been gut check moment after gut check moment for this team, and they've gotten better. And you know they're playing an Oxford team who does not score a whole lot. Um, they average 25 points a game over their last eight games, but they've just given up seven points per game over that eight-game stretch, uh, same as Upgrade. So I, I kind of feel like a lot of media is looking at Oxford for the name. I know a lot of people have already picked Oxford uh, because of the defense, and I understand that. That's what I went. What I told you last last week was I thought defense wins championships, and that's why Pedal would win. But I think we underestimate what Causey and that coaching staff can do. And he talked about it Monday. They have so many guys that spread the field out and can hit you over the top. And if, if they can't get anything over the top working, they're able to get their underneath guys uh, to, to get yardage that they need and pick up those first downs when they need. So I'm picking, uh, I'm picking Oak Grove in this one. Not just because I cover the area, to be perfectly honest with you. I just yeah. think that their weapons are, are are too much for Oxford. Uh, and that's not to take anything away from Oxford at all or their coaching staff. If you know uh, Oxford's coach is actually David Cutcliffe's son. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, like I said, I feel like – a big key uh, is Causey saying that he has about 20-something seniors that played in that game last year. Mm-hmm. And they know what's coming this game. And they know uh, what to expect this week with the media and with all the glitz and glamour going on around them. Uh, they know what to expect. And I asked, uh, I asked uh, Graham McCarty, who's on the Oak Grove defense, what are y'all doing different? He said, nothing. We're not doing anything different. Everything we do this week is the same as we've always done it. And I, I think that's perfect. I yeah. think that's that's perfect. So I'm expecting a good game. Uh, obviously, you're going to have a good game. Just, uh, you want to talk about it? Yeah. Uh, you know, I got to sit down with uh, Mitch Evans uh, Monday at the press conference and, and, and got to talk with the North Side head coach. Uh, kind of got – you know, two different perspectives from both of those guys about, you know, the game and and their team. And, uh, you know, Northside's defense is good. Don't get me wrong. I just don't feel like they've played the competition that Taylorsville has because uh, 2A South was just loaded with some talented teams. Scott Central, mm-hmm. Bay Springs. Uh, coming into the year, everybody thought Collins would be uh, one of those top teams. They lost their quarterback. Their defense was still good. There was just a, a Philadelphia, another team, uh, who you know faced Taylorsville with only one loss on the season. Uh, there was just a lot of good teams there in the South, and Taylorsville has been prepared for a game like this. I don't think Northside has. Not to say that their defense is not good. I don't care how many games you play and who you've played and how bad those teams may have been to only give up 34 points on defense all year. That's impressive. And to score, I think they've 596 points they've scored on the year. So, you know, not only is their defense really good, but offensively they've scored a lot of points. Uh, but like I said, I just don't think they've and, – and, you know, I, I point blank asked the north side coach, have y'all seen a team quite like Taylorsville? And I was kind of talking more about the quarterback, Ty Keys, but I was kind of talking about, you know, Taylorsville in general. And he says they haven't seen a dynamic quarterback. They haven't seen a dynamic offense quite like Taylorsville. And I think that's going to be the difference. I think uh, Taylorsville's good enough on offense to score enough points and their defense. And and I talked I talked to Mitch Evans about this too. You know, in the last couple of years, especially this year, it seems like everything everything that everybody wants to talk about is how good Taylorsville is offensively, but defensively. They've been just as well this year, too. Uh, 
you know, so good offense, good defense, facing a, you know, pretty good defense and, you know, probably a, a, a decent offense as well. Um, I, I'm just going to have to go with Taylorsville in this game just because they've been there. And like I said, they've, they've played a tougher schedule, I believe, uh, than Northside has. Now, you know, they play the game for a reason. You, you go into games thinking yeah, – we went to the Egg Bowl thinking, you know, that one team was the odds-on favorite and they lost. So, in football, you never know. But, you know, right now I would have to lean towards Taylorsville. Um, I would – it's either going to be a close one or, and I say close, I'm saying about 10 points. Yeah. I would have to give Taylorsville about a 10-point edge. Um, or I think Taylorsville could run away with it. Well, I'm, I'm going to throw this in there because, like you, I didn't know much about Northside. Uh, actually, last night, whenever I got home after I wrote an article, uh, I looked up. Tavares Johnson, if you don't know that name, you'll know this team. Tavares Johnson coached Simmons. Yes. And he left Simmons uh, to take the um, to take the uh, Indianola Gentry job. And he posted a 37 and 2 record with Simmons. He's a heck of a coach. Oh, yeah. And if you remember those Simmons teams uh, from 2015, 2016, mm-hmm. around that, they did not allow many points. In uh, and, and 1A ball, uh, they absolutely uh, controlled the teams that they met in the state championships. And Simmons is still feeling the effects of his coaching there uh, up until probably this year uh, with the players that he was able to condition. So while I do agree that they haven't seen a team as dynamic as Taylorsville, I feel like Tavares Johnson is going to make sure that his team is ready to play a team like Taylorsville. I don't expect this to be a high-scoring game. I look at no. this like a Scott Central-Taylorsville game yeah. that we just saw, and it's going to be Ty Keys or Pittman having to make a play uh, to, to give them the edge. Uh, like I said, and I, I'm not – that's not ragging Taylorsville. Okay, so if right. you listen to this, don't, don't think I'm ragging. I'm just saying, if you don't know Tavares Jackson or Johnson, look at those Simmons teams – from a couple of years ago because this Northside team is pretty well the same, it feels like. Yeah. So that's just my two cents on that. I get you while Northside as a team probably hasn't seen a team quite like Taylorsville. Obviously, their coach has. Right. Because he's, he's, uh, he's coached at some winning programs and, and has done a good job as a coach. If I'm not mistaken, just, just talking to the Northside coach, you know, he, he talked about his background being a wing tee. Right. And if anybody is, is fitted to stop a wing tee team, it's Taylorsville. Yes. Uh, they played quite a few teams this year who, who play that style of offense. Uh, he the Northside coach did say that they like to throw the ball some too, and they try to be as balanced as possible. But just feel like they're more of a you know of a wing wing tee style team, and I think Taylorsville is best suited defensively to stop a team like that. Like like you said, I could see a a, a, a low scoring game, um, but like I said, I, I could also see Taylorsville kind of running away with this one, just based on. Looking at the games that uh, Northside has played and 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 the teams that they've beat, they've had nine shutouts on the year, so they've they've played some teams that that have had you know quite a few teams that have had losing records. Yeah, and uh, I, I just don't think they're conditioned for a team like Taylorsville, uh, but it, it's going to be a good game altogether. Uh, pretty excited to see how that plays out. Um, I'm going to be covering three games for the Daily Journal, uh, shooting some photos for them. Uh, so obviously we're going to be there for all the games. We'll have a little blurb on each team or each game and how it goes and, and also a photo gallery. So if you just love football and you don't, don't necessarily 
have a dog in the hunt. Uh, like I said, we'll be covering all six games, keeping you updated on how those games go. It's just an exciting weekend. The only thing that I'm not quite excited about is Friday because Friday, it looks like we're going to have some cold temperatures. And the last time I checked, a 60% chance of rain. And you and I have covered state championship games before where it was cold and wet and it was just not a good recipe for an enjoyable day. Yeah, my, the worst football game I've ever covered in my life had nothing to do with the teams. It was Laurel and West Point. Yes, I remember it was that game. cold, almost almost freezing rain, and it, it was raining cold. It was windy, and I remember Taekwondo Armour throwing the ball up in the air. He had a pretty spiral, but he threw the ball up in the air. It was a duck, and I just watched the front of the ball like start moving up and fall like 15 yards short of Ontario Drummond. That was the absolute worst game that I've ever had to cover in my life. But, yeah, I don't know. It's cool pictures though with the rain. Yes, definitely, and, that, and that's what uh, that's the that's the part I'm most excited about. Definitely not excited to get wet and <laughs> and to be freezing cold at the same time. But um, I, I would be all right if it was snowing. Yeah, I've been wanting to cover a game in the snow for a long time. The last game that I covered in the snow was a state championship game. It was in Jackson. It was Oak Grove versus somebody. I can't remember. South Panola? Would it be South Panola? Uh, probably so. It was during those years where South Panola was, was really good and was winning you know, several state championships in a row. But uh, I shot a little bit of I would At that point in time, I wasn't conditioned for a snowy, <laughs> cold game uh, like I am now. Are we really conditioned yeah. in Mississippi for Well, snow? I'm conditioned for cold because I've, I've shot many, many soccer games uh, with the temperatures in the 30s. So, uh, you know, I'm conditioned for the cold. Uh, but when you add the rain in there, you know, it's just uh, – just a deadly combination, but but you know, either way, I, I'm I'm excited. I always enjoy uh, covering these games every year, and and, and definitely going to be an exciting uh, two days. I do want to mention if you are not able to go to the state championship games, and maybe if there was a game you wanted to see Friday, but you do not want to weather the storms. Uh, there is a way that you can uh, watch these games. It will be televised on several different stations across the state. I'm just going to mention the ones that are kind of in our area, listening area, so you can uh, know where to uh, watch the games if you do not want to go to the game itself. Uh, in the coastal region, uh, all of the games will be televised on uh, WLOX channel 13.3 in Hattiesburg. All the games will be uh, televised too on the WDAM channel 7.3 in Meridian. All the games, of course, too will be televised. It will be on WMDN channel 24.2. And in the Jackson area, all the games will be televised as well on WAPT channel 16.2. So like I said, if you uh, are interested in watching these games, but maybe third or maybe Friday you do not want to go to the game itself and, and, and weather the uh, cold and, and wet conditions, uh, that is one way that you can watch the games Friday and Saturday. Uh, before we wrap up, we have some other... Uh, kind of big news that's happened in the last couple of days that's kind of kept our attention. And I know for me, I've been checking Twitter nearly every every ten minutes. Every ten minutes, uh, just trying to see what the the current news is. Uh, after the Egg Bowl, let's just say before the Egg Bowl, um, most people did not think Matt Luke was on the hot seat. Uh, with all the the success that they've had this year considering how they looked last year everybody thought that he would get at least one more year uh, and going into the egg bowl i think that was uh what had already been decided that you know he was going to be the coach uh returning next year uh, when the when keith carter got the ad job he uh he mentioned that uh pretty much in, in my own words that luke Matt Luke's job was safe and that he had all the confidence in the world. Uh, 
And also before the Egg Bowl, there was a lot of chatter, uh, even in the press box at all at Starkville, that uh, Joe Moorhead, no matter how the game went, that he was going to uh, have to be looking for a new job, and they were going to uh, start the search committee to find their next head coach. So that was kind of the scene before the Egg Bowl. After the Egg Bowl and all the craziness that uh, happened, of course, if you watch the game, a penalty by Ole Miss in the final four seconds celebrating a touchdown, uh, pushed the extra point back 15 yards and made the extra point attempt a 35-yard field goal, and Ole Miss missed it. And that made that gave uh, literally gave Mississippi State the win, 20 to 21. And after the game. Uh, a little fiery press conference by Moorhead, which isn't his first this year. He's he's uh, had a couple fiery press conferences already uh, because he know he knew that his his coaching tenure there at uh, Mississippi State was on the line. Uh, Mississippi State decided to stay with Moorhead, uh, citing the outcome of the Egg Bowl, which you know I'm not going to get into that, but even. <laughs> A uh, six and six team barely beating a four and eight team is not quite what you would expect. Um, but he will be uh, retained at Mississippi State as their head coach for 2020. Uh, I was actually talking to a friend of mine uh, going down the road, and, and we were talking about Matt Luke's, you know. Was he going to stay or, or was he going to be let go? And in the middle of that conversation, I, I get a tweet uh, saying that, that Matt Luke has has resigned as head coach at, at Ole Miss. And that kind of – the next couple of hours was just kind of – I don't know how to explain it. It was just, and I guess it's because of the shock of it all. I think a lot of people did, didn't expect this was coming. Uh, all of the players seemingly did not expect this to happen, and, and, and they were pissed that uh, they were losing their, their head coach, who, who's a player's coach, and, and obviously he has garnered a lot of respect from the players, and, and they were wanting him to at least be given a, another, another year, another shot. Um, so now Ole Miss – uh, instead of Mississippi State is looking for a head coach. Uh, Kevin, what are your thoughts on that situation? Uh, I tend to side with the players. It's so tough. Because I see Ole Miss and I, I, I applaud that Keith Carter was able to pull the trigger because apparently him and Luke are, are pretty good friends. Mm-hmm. And I applaud him being able to pull the trigger. And I understand in 2019, this day and age, everybody, media included, everybody, is trying to be the first to break a story. And I think I side with the players on how the story broke loose. Matt Luke was reportedly in a recruit's home talking to him whenever he found out that he was let go. I think that was reported, but it was changed by the guy who reported. He was actually on a plane. He was on a plane. He was on a plane when uh, he was notified. Okay. Uh, but he had just come from a right. recruit's house. He, was, so, he yeah. was on the recruiting trip. Put it that way. Uh, as of Friday, I heard from a couple of players who played there, I'm not going to say who they were, that they were expecting him back. Mm-hmm. I think you heard the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I I hate that how I hate how it come out. I think that's why there were so many players frustrated. At least that's what I understand. Uh, I'm I'm friends with one player who is graduating from there. Uh, he he told me that that players did walk out. That Jerry Ely walked out. Um, obviously, they were mad, upset. Uh, the AD is doing a good job, I think, of handling that, scheduling personal meetings with them and all that. On a professional level, they went 4-8. They were close on several games of, of winning games, the Egg Bowl, 
that had a chance to win that game. Cal, that had a chance to win that game. I'm sure I've missed some. Yeah, there, there was five games in total that they lost by a score. And one game they lost by 11. Yeah. So you take five games of single-digit single digit points that you might could have won and you're looking at a nine-win season. Yeah. Um, with first-year coordinators. Was McIntyre first-year coordinator? Yeah. So two first-year coordinators – and you had a chance to get nine wins, but obviously Carter said there was apathy in the program. I, I feel like that the whole ordeal at the Egg Bowl kind of almost seemed how and how Luke responded to the ordeal that went down. So I get that point. I just hope that Ole Miss acts quickly to find a coach because a lot of recruits, including seminaries recruit. It has opened up his recruiting. Has not decommitted, but opened up his recruiting. So they've got to act fast, and they've got to hit. What's I wouldn't say a home run, but they have to make a competent hire. Right. Um, I, on the other hand, just to kind of talk with Mississippi, Mississippi State, I had been told that no matter what happened, Moorhead was gone. And I had been told that by prominent people who have nailed stuff for me beforehand, that he was gone. And I don't know what happened. I I, I feel like Mississippi State looks short-sighted. I think I think that press conference put Mississippi State in a bad position. That's what that's the way I understood. And the way I understood was that the remarks that he made weren't necessarily to fans, even though a lot of fans are taking it that way. That was made towards boosters who did not like the hire to start with, that did that have been frustrated with Moorhead. Um, matter of fact, one person who who donates there told me that they weren't so much mad about this year, they were mad about last year. That they had uh, three uh, round one talents uh, collect eight wins on the year. Yeah. So, you look at it from that standpoint on both. I, I feel like Mississippi State, I feel like Joe Moorhead deserves one more one more year. Uh, he's 2-0 in eight bowls. He has the same record as Dan Mullen did. I know that people say the program is going in a different direction than what Mullen was bringing into. And they say there was a lot more talent. People have short memories, though. K.J. Wright was on uh, Dan Mullen's defense. If you know who K.J. Wright is, he's now playing, I believe, for the Seahawks. So he did have some NFL talent on his teams. Uh, the difference was he ascended, and Moorhead, they feel like he's descending a little bit. But either way, uh, with Ole Miss hire, or with Ole Miss firing, I get it. I just hope that they make a competent hire. Uh, I know you've been hearing a lot of stuff, a lot of different stuff, and you will hear a lot of different stuff uh, with Mississippi State one more year. You see what what Moorhead does, and uh, just to touch a little bit, Southern Miss. I haven't heard much either way about that situation. I don't feel like they're going to make a coaching change. A yeah, lot of fans, a lot of fans, were tweeting uh, some things about Hobson and the coaching staff uh, Saturday. Matter of fact, one of my tweets got bombarded, <laughs> and I deleted that tweet and made a new one because it was just I was I thought it was I thought it was spam to be honest with you, um, but. I don't know. It's it's going. It's interesting for our D one schools in Mississippi uh, this year and going into next year. Right. And I'm with you on Mississippi State. I think Joe Moorhead deserves another year. Um, and I'm saying that as an Ole Miss fan. I think this year he was dealt a lot of things that were beyond his control. Uh, the Tudor Gate having to sit several players out for eight games of the season. A lot of those players were dynamic defensive players, and without them, they were just a different team. And then you have the quarterback situation where he brought in a guy who was doing great until he got injured, and then you have to throw a freshman in the mix, a true freshman, and, and you know, it, it's difficult. So I think there were a lot of things that were kind of outside of his control this year that you just kind of have to overlook. So I do I do believe he should be given one more year. I, I, I agree with the Matt Luke decision uh, as an Ole Miss fan because 
while you could say he deserved one more year uh, with the way this year turned out with having first-year coordinators, obviously in the second year things are going to be a lot better. But Keith Carter put it put it the best way. He said coming off a 4-8 and eight season this year where you, you should have won more games than you did. And then when you look at the 2020 schedule, the first six games are brutal. Mm-hmm. For Ole Miss, you have to play LSU, Auburn, and Alabama in the first five or six games of the year, where those games traditionally are kind of spread out in the season. Well, this time they're on the, the front end of the schedule. So you know that after six games, you could very well likely be one in five. So with the fan support where it is at now and then you do poorly uh by no fault of your own because you're just playing some really good teams including baylor to begin the season you would lose a lot of fans you would lose a lot of boosters you would lose a lot of excitement around the program with letting matt luke go and bringing in another guy even though you may still go one in five or or two and four or whatever in those first six games of the season, there's still some excitement there because you know this is a first-year head coach. He came in on a year where the front end of the schedule was brutal. Fans were more willing to give him a little bit more time than if it was Matt Luke, who goes six and six in his first year as interim, goes five and seven in his first official year, and then goes four and eight in year number three. So you're steadily, your record is going downhill for the last three years, even though a lot of, I think, I think once you, once everyone looks back on the Matt Luke era, it will be looked at on a more positive note, just because he came into a situation where it was a lose-lose for him. A lot like crew. Yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, I feel like that Luke left the program in better shape, despite what's being said about the apathy of things. Yeah. He got Ole Miss through a dark, dark They could have easily gone, you know, two and whatever after having facing the penalties that they were facing and and the recruiting class, you know, not being as well as it could have been if he wasn't facing those penalties and sanctions and prohibitions and and and, and all that stuff. Uh, I think, like I said, I, I think looking back, a lot of people look on the Matt Luke era in a positive light that he, he saved the program from going in a deeper hole than it is now. But at this moment in time, everybody just wants to win. Right. And, and I get that. And, and I get the move because you don't want to continually lose support over the next year when you can have some kind of say in it right now to stop that from happening. Uh, with that being said, uh, just kind of looking over who Ole Miss might get, uh, heard a lot of names. Uh, it seems like every day there's a new name that gets added to the list of, of possible uh, potential hires or potential interviewing candidates. I, I I think there's for me there's two coaches that Ole Miss needs to go after and do everything they can to get one of the other. Obviously, the hot name on the list who Ole Miss is going after heavily, which I don't think they will get, is. Mike Novell at, at, at Memphis. Mm-hmm. I think he's the guy you go after first, and, and and Ole Miss is doing that. I've got it. I've got a feeling he'll he'll go. He will either remain at Memphis one more year, or he is going to be named the head coach at Florida State. I'm leaning more towards the being named the head coach at Florida State. I, I believe that's just where he'll end up. The other guy that if you don't get Norvell, you go after, I think, is Napier at uh, University of Louisiana. I, I, I think he is – he may not be as exciting as Norvell. He, he may not excite the fan base, but he's going to win you games. And at this point, you need to win games. 
So those are the two two coaches that I, I think Ole Miss should definitely go after. Uh, if they can't can't get those two, I, I just don't. There's a couple of names that are out there, and, and I know uh, I, I've got a, 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 a friend up north who's who's a huge Ole Miss fan. He keeps keeps himself updated with the situation, and, and we've talked a, quite a quite a bit over the last couple of days. And uh, he said that uh, he doesn't believe Ole Miss could could hire could make a bad hire because there's a lot of names that he feels like that are, are good potential candidates. Obviously, the two guys that I mentioned is, is the two guys that he would love to see Ole Miss get. Um, but there's some other names kind of mingling around out there. I think the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame is one. The head coach at the University of Charlotte, North Carolina, is another. Um, you have Lane Kiffin, who's another name that, that I think gets brought up anytime anybody is looking for a head coach. Right. Uh, I got a feeling he's going to go to Arkansas if he's not given the job at Ole Miss. Uh, so, and there's quite a few more names that that, that I won't mention. Um, there's a, a right. co-coordinator. Mike Leach. You know, that would be that would be exciting hire hire and that would be an absolute blast to watch his press conference. I just don't know if he's the coach for Ole Miss. As much as I, I love Mike Leach and, and following him on Twitter and, and listening to his videos, uh, their teams have no defense. And in the SEC you've got to have a defense. So I just don't think that's the direction they need to go. But yeah, he is one of the names that's uh, just mentioned as a possibility. Of course, like I said, he's mentioned as a possibility everywhere. Right, everywhere. Um, but Norvell and Napier is, is the two guys I think Ole Miss should go after. And to be honest, I don't know where they should go if they can't get those two. To be honest, I think it's either them or, you know, I don't know. I feel like the the name too that's getting thrown around so much is Bill Clark from UAB, and that was I've got a friend of mine who uh, last week when the state stuff was going on, he was talking about Bill Clark and from both even just small talking with you and and him, neither fan base wants Bill Clark, but for some reason Bill Clark is being brought up in those coaching circles. So if you had someone that would be a disappointing hire for either fan base, I feel, and it's not fair against Bill Clark, but I feel like it would be Bill Clark. I agree. Uh, but also, just real quick before we end the podcast, uh, so a little bit of breaking news for Southern Miss, uh, Marcelio Rodriguez, uh, Southern Miss redshirt sophomore, uh, just announced about three minutes ago that he is uh, entering the transfer portal. So, paving the way uh, for Tate Watley uh, and the Jack Abraham show uh, to really come into effect now since Rodriguez is transferring. So. Yep. Well, that's uh, all that we have for you on our Season 1, Episode 15 podcast for Sports 601. Uh, we look forward to seeing you out on the field uh, Friday and Saturday as the state championships get underway. It's going to be an exciting time. Until next time, we'll talk to you later.